I ask you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book. book. <laughs> you know, that's going to make sense in just a second. Let's turn to the book of Luke, otherwise known as the book. The book of Luke chapter 22. The book of Luke chapter 22. Somebody saw me this morning and they said, you're only carrying a medium-sized coffee this morning. Can you imagine how bad I would be if I had to carry the large size? But I'll tell you this, the Lord's been running in my life all week looking forward to this moment. I love that the family of God is together. Amen? Hallelujah. And uh, so the book of Luke, chapter 22, we're going to read verses 14 to 20 here in just a few minutes. You're using that pew Bible in front of you. It's on page 1,214. Luke 22, 14, found on page 1,214 in the Pew Bible. Now, I'm also going to encourage you, if you want to look up another thing, if you want to have a, you can put your call to action right there or your little, little ribbon in your Bible, but if you want to turn to Psalm 113, that'll save you time here in just a moment or two. Uh, Psalm 113, and you'll, you'll know when to turn there, but just sort of have your finger ready or your piece of paper there, and then we'll all go there. Today, we are going to be called upon, based upon Scripture, to do two things. One of those things is remember. We're being called to remember. I remember, I thought this week, I remember a weekday in the middle of June in 1988, and you're going, Jeff, you're, you're old. Yes, I'm getting there every single year. I'm getting there. But on this weekday in the middle of June of 1988, I had driven from Crossville, Tennessee, where I lived at the time, to Knoxville, Tennessee for a short errand, it's a place I needed to stop and and, and buy something, to a place called Piney Flats, Tennessee, to visit a couple by the name of John and Carol Barker. And then I continued directly on to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. As you can see, on that day, I was on a mission. And on this weekday, in June of 1988, I stood excitingly in front of this young lady, knowing I was about to do something that I have never done before and that I would never do again. And here I was, and I knelt down, and I asked this young lady named Angela Barker to marry me. I was anxious. I was nervous. I was excited. But the one thing I remembered is I was not afraid or sad in any way. And I was sure that this was the right thing to do for me. And I was sure she was going to say yes. I remember this. And every time I remember this, I am glad. Every time I remember this, I am thankful. And so I wanted to get us to this point because today we're going to be called on to remember. 
through the Lord's Supper. In Jeremiah chapter 6, you're going, Jeff, you forgot to make a stand and read. No, we're getting there. Just hang in there. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, Scripture says, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, where the good way is and walk in it, and then you will find rest for your souls. You know, for the early Christians, the Lord's Supper was a festive communal meal. The mood of the Lord's Supper was one of celebration and one of joy. The gospel tells us that the initial Lord's Supper or communion was initiated by Jesus. Both names, the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 20, and communion, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 16, are acceptable names. Matthew, Mark, Luke, each describe that this was first held at the end of the annual Passover meal. You see, the Passover was a God-ordained act of remembrance that was detailed in the book of Exodus, in Numbers, and in Deuteronomy. It is the initial Passover where God set his people free from their time in slavery in Egypt and took them on a journey to the Promised Land. The Passover, as God called it, was to be kept annually as a celebration and time to remember God's love, God's faithfulness, and God's redemption of his people. Now, Jesus had already spoken by the time we get to today's scripture in Luke 22 about him being the new covenant, a new way where God was going to show his love, his faithfulness, and his redemption for his people. Jesus, church, was and still is the new covenant. And it is through the Lord's Supper that the transition from the old covenant, the Passover, began. And the Lord's Supper first started. The early Christians, the first and second centuries, actually called the Lord's Supper a love feast. At that time, they took the bread and the cup in the context of a festive meal. Slowly, from that time, the Passover and the Lord's Supper began to be separated. The old covenant passed away with Jesus, and the new covenant, Jesus, became it. And this separation has been complete for many centuries. With the separation, the Lord's Supper became known by many as the Eucharist. The Eucharist means thanksgiving or the giving of thanks. And I think how appropriate that here we are on the week heading into Thanksgiving where we stop and thank, be thankful as individuals, hopefully, and as families and as, as uh, a country and as a church, I pray. It's a shame that we don't do this thankfulness more often. So the Lord's Supper, communion is a time of remembrance and a time of thanksgiving and a time of celebration. And it's also a time of challenge for us to go forward into the world telling of this world-changing event. This event where the old covenant was passed away, fulfilled, and the new covenant, Jesus, was created for God's love, God's faithfulness, and the redemption of his people. The death, burial, and resurrection, 
and the eventual return of Jesus Christ. Can I just remind us one more time, church? Jesus is coming again. He will come again. The only Son of God to complete the redemption of his people and to then complete our journey to the new covenant promised land. That would be heaven. And that's our background to get us started. So let's just stand together and read from the book of Luke, chapter 22. I'm going to read verses 14 through 20. Luke chapter 22, picking up in verse 14, says this, When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is the body which is this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Thank you, church. You may sit down. Keep your scripture open. We're going to be here and in other places. I think you probably still have one more finger in Scripture, Psalm 113. If you're not there yet, you're going to want to start heading that direction. But look at verse 14 in Luke chapter 22. It starts that, when the hour had come. Now, this is a very familiar passage. When the hour had come, not because this passage is someplace else, but in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son Jesus to redeem the world. That is where Jesus came as a baby. And now here we are as Jesus is preparing to head toward his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's now that hour had come. This is a moment, church, that's time has been waiting for, for it to come. It was when the Passover meal was drawing to a close that Jesus instituted the ordinance that the church calls the Lord's Supper. Today, in keeping with the desire to trace the old ways, Jeremiah 6.16 I started with, we're going to read many things that were originally read during the Passover time that Jesus changed into the Lord's Supper through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And so the Passover meal would historically begin with a prayer. So church, let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, we praise you, the Lord of hosts. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. You are the Lord, our righteousness. We are grateful to you. We thank you that all who choose eternal life are included in your eternal family. We adore you as Abba, Father, with all our hearts. Thank you for being such a loving God. Thank you for being our God and making us your people. Thank you for being mindful of us and sending your Son and Jesus Christ to be our Deliverer, our Redeemer, and our Liberator. Amen. 
Now this was followed in the Passover process by the drinking of what was the first of four cups of wine, and I did a lot of research, and you know, I, my research support that this wine was a very diluted fruit of the vine mixed with water. It was not intoxicating, therefore it was fit for all to be take a part in this celebration. And next, after they drank this first cup, they ate the bitter herbs and they sang. Now what they sang was Psalm 113 and 114. Now I'm not going to ask us to sing it, and we're not even going to put it really to music. But what I want you to do is we are going to read it. So Psalm 113 and Psalm 114 is what would be read at this time in what was the historical Passover. So let's read this Psalm 113. Remember, this is a time of remembrance, celebration, thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seek him with princes. With the princes of his people, he grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Now, it keeps on going, Psalm 114. So stick with me here. It says, When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the little hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, that you turned back. O mountains, that you skipped like rams, and O little hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of waters. And they would read this and sing this and remember what God had done. Take a moment and remember that he is good. Remember what he has done. Remember that he is worthy of all praise. That's what they would remember. They would remember things that were passed down, how their lives and their destinies were changed. Today, if you know Jesus, your life and your destiny has been changed. And then they would drink the second cup. And then they would, at this point, begin to eat the lamb and the unleavened bread as God defined in the Passover meal. And then after drinking the third cup of wine, they would sing Psalms 115, 116, 117, and 118. And in this moment, Satan walked right in my office door. He said, don't think about reading all four of those chapters in church. And then I started thinking and praying, 
If anything should not happen in this service on Sunday morning, it's the words of Jeff. And the words of God should always be lifted high and out front. Amen? Amen. And so what we're going to do is as they did, because remember, we're following the old way from the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. And in this transition, they read these chapters. And so I've already got you right there. It's Psalm 114 where we just finished. Now I'm going to read to us Psalm 115, 16, 17, and 18. And you're going, Jeff, that's a lot. And I'm going, yeah, but I want you to soak it up. Be looking for what God has for you because there is not a thing that I can offer you that God's Word will not already provide. Psalm 115. Now unto us, O Lord, or not, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth, why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence, but he, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord, church. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. The Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
Psalm 117 says this, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord this is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords and the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Amen. And then they would complete this singing, this reading of God's word. And then the fourth cup would have been passed among them. Now, historically speaking, it's likely that between this third cup and this fourth cup that Jesus stopped, as we read in Luke chapter 22, and initiated the Lord's Supper. I like that word, initiated. That means that Jesus was now doing something with his disciples that had never been done before. He said, that is enough of that. Let me show you the new covenant. Let me introduce to you and initiate what God has been planning forever and ever. I hope that you are seeing that this time that Jesus has spent with them has been a time of remembrance, of thanksgiving, and of praise. 
And it was in this moment that Jesus said to them what we read in Luke chapter 22, verse 15. It says, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus knew what was ahead for him. And he also knew what he was seeking to teach them, the disciples, in this night. But note the emotion that Jesus brings to this moment. Fervently desired. Now, I did a word search, and I did a people test, and I asked a bunch of people a lot of things, and the word fervent just cannot be a negative word. The word fervent synonyms are passionate, intense, sincere, hot, burning, glowing. Church, let me just help us understand this moment in Luke chapter 22, verse 15, where Jesus was getting ready to do something that had never been done before and present the new covenant of his what he was going to do. That Jesus was passionately driven. That he was excited to share with them. Now I go back to that weekday in June of 1988 in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I remember standing in front of that young lady. There was no sad there. It was all joy, expectancy, anticipation. And you're going, oh, I remember that day. And Jesus is going, that's how I feel. And it almost cheapens it to somehow tie it to something that I could feel. But Jesus is going, that's how I feel. Let's make a couple of things. When Jesus comes out with them, fervently desiring to share this with them, Jesus is not going, oh, woe is me. I've got to go to the cross. Jesus is not sad. Jesus is not worried. I'm not trying to make light of it because I know that Jesus later that night in the garden had a conversation with his father that said, Father, if there's any other way. But he also said, but I will do what you say. Jesus was not a hostage. Jesus made choices every day of his ministry and even in these moments to yield his life. Do you know that in Scripture it says that not only was Jesus fervently ready for what was getting ready to happen and to share it with his disciples. Scripture says that it pleased God to send his son to die for us. And so here we are. It's pleasing God And Jesus is calling them together, and he says, I need to tell you something that I've known about the whole time I've known you, and I've been building up for this moment, and this is like the big reveal. And that's the attitude that we need to make sure we understand happens in Luke chapter 22. That's the attitude that we need to understand that Jesus is sharing with his followers. That's the attitude that we need to come before the Lord's table with today. One that is a fervent desire and expectation. I want to do this, Lord. Thank you. That's what Jesus is trying to share with them. I do not believe this to be a sad time, a gloomy time, then and now. Now, this morning, I wore my blackest suit with my whitest shirt 
with my blackest tie. I made this as formal of an opportunity as I stood before you as I can. But I want to tell you that you can be dressed formal and be all excited about what is God's calling us to do. Church, can I tell you that when we get to the point of understanding that we don't have to remember slavery, we don't have to remember what God did, we now live in the world of what God has done through Jesus. When we understand that we can be transformed, changed, made right, forgiven, saved, redeemed with God, and that we get a chance to remember this, we should be excited. But yet so many times in life, church, we just walk slowly. Head down. Not excited. And Jesus went on to share with them and said that he broke a piece of bread. Remember, he's getting ready to tell them. Now, here's what he told them. He broke a piece of bread from the unleavened loaf. Scripture says that he gave thanks for it, and he shared it with them, his disciples. And Jesus said for the very first time, this bread is a symbol of my body that will be broken for you. And he shared his body as easily as he shared a loaf of bread. You know, all week, I've been praying, Lord, show me. Search me. Anything in my life. Because I want to be right when I stand in this moment. And every time I prayed it, God shows me something. And if I prayed it again right now, God's going to show me something. I don't come before you right. I come before you saved. And it makes all the difference. But I'll tell you that this process of coming here, man, it's made me understand what God did for me in a different light. And I pray that you do as well because Jesus shared that with them. And then he gave thanks for the cup. Historically speaking, this is the last cup. The fourth cup. The final cup. You know why? Because we'll never need another. Jesus said in that moment that this is my blood, which is shed for you. We don't need any other cups. A simple observance using just basic elements that they could remember. Jesus sanctified, set apart these simple elements 
and he used them to convey a profound spiritual truth. Jesus revealed in this moment his plan, the eternal plan of God, to them and to us. Recall, Jesus shared this news with fervent desire. I mean, he said, guys, I cannot wait to, let me just tell you what God has planned for you. This was not the telling of bad news. This was not the resignation of what lie ahead. No, this is then and remains now good news, the best news. It pleased God to offer his son, and it pleased Jesus to be faithfully spent for our opportunity at redemption. Now, Jesus stated that one of the purposes for the Lord's Supper is to do it in remembrance of him. That is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. It is to be a memorial feast to remind the believer that Jesus Christ gave his body and his blood for the redemption of the world. When we partake of this, we identify ourselves with his body and blood and what he did for us. But I told you there were two things we we're going to be called on to do today, and remembering is one of them. Remembering that Jesus came and gave his body, but it leads us to the second purpose because Scripture teaches that Jesus came and did this for whosoever will. That included me one day. It included you if you know Jesus. And if you're in this room or online or on the phone right now and you don't know that Jesus is your Savior, this whosoever will, this fervent desire that Jesus had to yield himself, it's for you. That second purpose for the Lord's Supper, also found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, is that so we can proclaim his death until he comes. Note, Jesus died. But this statement says, I'm coming again. That means not only am I coming again, but I'm alive already. And so Jesus encourages us to look back with love and adoration to what he did for us on the cross. And we are encouraged to look forward with hope and anticipation of his soon to be coming again. Jesus is coming again. Today is a reminder. Jesus died for a purpose. You. Jesus rose for a purpose. You. And Jesus will return for a purpose. Also you. Church, as we come before the Lord's table, this is a time of thanksgiving, a time of remembrance, a time of praise. This is a family time of celebration before a loving God. We should be fervent in our desire to partake and remember and share, and we should equally be fervent when we walk out of here to share the Lord's death until he comes.